The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. After 1015, Metro Linda Hammerschmidt will join us to answer all of your family law questions, especially those related to uh, the court system right now uh, during the pandemic, custody issues, anything that you want to ask her. She is here willing to help you. So get your questions in at 514-800 or after 1015, call at 514-790-0800. But first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. Feel free to send me emails too to lori at drlori.com anytime. Uh, hello, Lori. My message yesterday made us both sound like two floozies. This is in relation to the passion poet, by the way. Uh, something neither of us are. We are two mature w- women who never had a one-night stand, had thought about it, but never could come to do it. After listening to the Passion Poet's poem last night, it only reaffirms he is exactly the kind of man we both want. Where is this going? In his poems, he shows compassion, understanding, and thoughtfulness. He never really replied only to say he has no mustache. All the better. Well, he did actually, I just didn't read some of the the text. They were a little funny and maybe inappropriate. Um, no scuffing anywhere. It is, is it so wrong to want a one night stand with someone you never met, but feel a little connected to? We are not looking for a relationship at this time in our lives, but we both, we have both had no sex for over a year. So I don't know what the underlying message is here, but, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to make a match here or what. But I'll leave it, uh, I'll leave it at that. All I can tell you is our passion poet, who is a listener just like you, uh, who, uh, writes, has taken it upon himself to just share his compassion and share his thoughts through uh, short poems, uh, has developed his own little fan club. So it's kind of fun. All right, question here. Uh, Dr. Lori, thanks for your advice. You always seem to come through for me on all my questions. You have brought up silicone lube as the go-to product. What about coconut oils? So silicone lube is made for, uh, it's made for sex, whereas uh, coconut oils, uh, not so much. However, you can use coconuts a natural substance and you can use it as long as you don't need uh, uh condoms so they it does not you cannot use anything oil based with a condom it breaks down the latex you cannot use anything oil based on uh, a sex toy either so that wouldn't be recommended for sex toys it's water based uh, that you uh, that you would use. So uh, coconut oil's fine, but some women respond like they react. So it would have to be tested a little bit and see. And if your partner uh, reacts fine to it, then it can it can be used. It's amazing how many uses coconut oil actually has. It's it can be a moisturizer for your face. It could be an eye makeup remover. Like if you put um, I use coconut oil to uh, remove mascara and, uh, it, it absolutely does not irritate the eyes. Whereas you know, sometimes some of the products that I b- bought before that were to remove mascara would burn me. So it all depends. Everybody is, uh, is different, but it's, you can, uh, you can test it out. Wouldn't harm you. 
But if there's an irritation, then obviously uh, you stop. Hi, Dr. Lori. I thought those two ladies were sweet. And the passion poet I'm proud of. I think he's great. Uh, Good. Thank you. That message has been uh, relayed. I'm just wondering if women use lube when they masturbate. You ladies come all over and create your own lube. So why even use lube? So the lube would be used mostly for... um, for sex toys, uh, you know, for penetrative sex toys. You don't actually need them for external clitoral stimulation, but you may, it may just feel better to have uh, lubricant on it. So it's not just that you don't, that a woman uses lubricant because she doesn't make enough lubricant. Even for intercourse, it's actually an enhancer. And I recommend it for anybody, any age, to use uh, to use a lubricant. Uh, okay, somebody, Passion Poet writes, you should air this. I do not keep any of the poems. So I want you to start keeping the poems. I have a bunch, but some that I uh, happen to have deleted by mistake. So I think you should start keeping them from here on in. I text them to you, and that is the only record of them. But without your inspiration, there would be no Passion Poems, thus no Passion Poet. I can say this, there is something really special about your voice and personality that does not only inspire me, but so many others who believe in you. Maybe you do not feel it on your side of the mic. It is far more than sex, love, and relationships, much more. That's very sweet of you. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Passion Poet on the Fence survey says, you're on the fence about what? (laughs) Are you wanting to invite these ladies into your life? You'd like to set up a meeting? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't want to be part of that. Like I don't want to be responsible for any of that. So you guys find a way to connect. Um Lori, thank you for your kindness. I secretly got my wife a G-spot vibe. I know she loves oral clitoral stimulation with a finger combination. Can I substitute the G-spot vibe um, and make her orgasm? Well, the G-spot vibrator, I mean, your finger uh, with the right motion, so if you do a come here motion, come hither, you know, uh, with your finger, and you stimulate that area, should be fine. That's really when you women uh, buy these G-spot stimulators, it has, if you notice, it has a bend in it, uh, so that they can access that part of it. But with your finger, you should be able to do the same. So, um you know, you don't need to be in competition with a sex toy, they're... It's a different experience for women, but you can certainly use your own finger or use the toy on uh, on your partner, actually, and uh, that's okay, too. Uh, I like coconut oil, too, for skin, and we thought about using it as a lube, but never went ahead with it. Not yet, anyway. Uh, you can try that. You can try that. Let's see. <laughs> That's right. You're no madam, Dr. Lori. Uh, you mean in terms of me fixing up and, and, and doing all this stuff? No, I don't want to be a madam. <laughs> Definitely not a madam. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. My girlfriend told me a few months ago that she cheated on me. We have been long distance for almost two years, and she said that she was at a party, was drunk, and she wasn't thinking about me and just wanted sex. She has tried to make up for it, and I've tried to get over it, Um, and I still do love her, but it just hasn't been quite the same. Our relationship isn't that important to me anymore. 
Also, she's had over, she's had many partners, which also bothers me. Um, I'm 24 and I've only had two. Anyway, so this is a young couple, obviously. Once you've, um, the trust has been broken like this, it's very difficult to get it back. Uh, And it sounds like you've already disconnected. You said your relationship isn't that important to you anymore. So this is a good time to start thinking about what it is that you both want. And if you are going to rebuild this relationship, my recommendation is that you get yourselves into couples therapy to be able to have better communication and try to get past this, uh, past this if you want to stay together, if this is someone you see a future with. If not, then you have other decisions to make. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. It's that time of the month. No, not that time of the month. The time of the month when Metra Linda Hammerschmidt joins us to answer all of your questions, your legal family law questions. So if there's any issues that you are dealing with, she's here, she's great, and she will answer your questions. 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. Hello, Linda. Good evening, Lori. So good to hear so your voice. I didn't voice. know it was a full moon. <laughs> Uh-oh. What does that mean? Well, you said it was that time of the month. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not my time of the month. That's long, <laughs> long gone for me and uh, for you. <laughs> uh, thanks. What do you know about my, my internal well, working? Right. I know our ages. How's that? Okay. I could be a phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I outed you. I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's happening with the courts, Linda? Have I just heard on the news that are they reopening courts? What about family court? What's going on? Well, slowly they're, they haven't reopened them completely, but, uh, they're getting more set up. They did a test, uh, case in Quebec City for vir- virtual trials. Okay. So we'll see. It's a, uh, it's gonna be a new era of how to proceed. In the meantime, anything that's being started here, one has to, instead of making what we used to do, a a data presentation when you serve proceedings so that it's placed on a roll in the courtroom. You have to send a, a specific form now with your proceeding uh, to a judge who's assigned either that day, that week, uh, who then examines uh, the proceedings and then gets back to the lawyers as to, uh, you know, when they can be heard by whom and how. So uh, I was reading inter- an interesting opinion piece by this um, family lawyer called uh, Marcus Sixta. It was a CBC thing, and maybe you read it. Um, but it, the headline was how COVID-19 could force changes to family courts modernize access to the justice system. So saying that um, obviously the whole isolation measures and such has forced family court system to to change, and and this uh, person was writing saying it was changing for the better. Do you think it's better for the um, for the client? Like, will will these changes you think be permanent? First of all. And, uh, will it cost less now if you don't have, you know, if you do things uh, more virtually? 
Well, the only thing that I see costing less would be travel time to a courthouse, wherever that might be that you have to go to plead the case, mm-hmm. but the time and preparation put into a file to be able to plead it to, uh, properly is not going to change all that much as far as for the future. Certainly there may be more uh, instances where you system allows for telephone trials almost. Okay. Of course, you have to understand that it's very difficult to have <clears throat> witnesses and, uh, and and everything like that and filing documents. I mean, sometimes at trial documents come up because you subpoenaed a bank or uh, some person that has something to file into the court record, and uh, you can't necessarily have that before, but at the moment, uh, lawyers are being asked to file with the court 48 hours before uh, whatever the hearing uh, proceeding is determined to be that happens, and so I don't know how that's going to play out. Plus, I understand that they have... proceeded to make uh, physical changes in the courtroom with plexiglass and your client's not allowed to sit beside you closely. Mm-hmm. So so there'll be more breaks, apparently, uh, so that you can go out and uh, can talk refer. to your client right. uh, instead of having them whisper in your ear. Uh, right. Quite frankly, I, th- I see it as a nightmare, but, you know, who knows? I, logistically, it sounds like it's... Uh, oof going to be quite an adaptation but also now that all these court dates have been put on i I suppose many have been put on hold right like yeah a lot a lot of cases were systematically postponed and only urgent cases as determined by a judge after they see the uh, the request uh have been able to proceed but not in the way that we used to be able to do that so, uh, you know, and still offices aren't working uh, as they were before. Even large uh, firms are, are right. even the bar of, of Quebec. Uh, most of the people are working from home. So, right. you know, one way or another, things may also continue to, you know, be slow, slowed down uh, simply by the circumstances and uh, picking it all up. It's uh, not hmm. going to be pleasant. On top of which, and I'll be able to tell you more uh, probably maybe the next time we um, speak or in July, there are changes coming to the Divorce Act, and uh, so that'll be added on top of all these other changes. So. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm listening to you talk, and, and you're saying, okay, so the courts are hearing urgent cases, but they deem them urgent, and then I'm thinking of, of people who feel their own case is pressing because it's pressing for them. It's urgent for them. So it's like I can only imagine the frustration at the delays and the delays and the delays to not getting some of these answers or things, you know, like settled in, in terms yeah. of divorces and, and it, stuff. And, and uh, we may have discussed the last time, but, you know, certain requests during the period, especially initially, that... Uh, you know, one parent was taking basically the law into their own hands and refusing the other per- parent access because of fear of contracting COVID or spreading it or whatever. 
and uh, one of, you know, several of the requests sort of were deemed urgent, but others such as makeup time uh, will, was not deemed urgent mm-hmm. uh, to be heard right away. On the other hand, uh, there will be, uh, as far as I understand, one of the modifications in the new Divorce Act, uh, the modifications to the Divorce Act, will be that uh, issues of, you know, making up time and always a continued maximum contact to, between uh, parent, non-custodial parent and children. But uh, the, the judgments that have come out from Ontario and here are advocating you know, more more cooperation and less uh, mm. litigation. So I, I hope that that's that the there's where we're going or headed with these new changes or these delays that people are going to be a little more uh, willing to be cooperative. We're yeah, talking with of course. With, of course. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Just wanted to announce you. Uh, we're talking to Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, a family law attorney, here to answer your questions at 514-800. You can also hear her every Wednesday at 6.50 on Aaron Rand's show, um, answering your questions as well. Sorry, I cut you off there, Linda. What did you want to say? Uh, no, it was just, uh, actually, I lost my train of thought, so. <laughs> Uh-uh. See, I told fun. I told you it can't be that time of the month. Um, <laughs> uh, this texter writes, and my question for Linda is, is family law like business and criminal law where many decisions are made in the corridors? I guess the wheeling and dealing between lawyers, I don't know if that's what they well, mean. Well, certainly but. the judge isn't in the corridors, so those kind of decisions are not rendered in the courtroom. But, but there are obviously negotiations that go on, be it, before one even goes to court between lawyers or, and, uh, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. in the past when you'd have, you know, time on your hands because your case was not the one that was proceeding, you'd be out in the corridors and in between consultation rooms trying to settle a file so right. that, um, you know, you wouldn't even have to uh, take up the court time and somebody else can proceed, so... There's no reason for that to stop, and on top of it, that form that I told you that has the company uh, all uh, motions now nowadays that are set to a judge who does a triage of sorts uh, has to include uh, uh, an, an attestation that you know attempts at settling whatever the issue is have been uh, attempted. So you have to show that there have been attempts at settling. Yeah. Okay. That that's almost like for me. It, there mean should, they were serious. No, but it's a little bit like you know before you go to divorce court. How about stop like uh, try to settle the, or try and fix the relationship? You know, it's like people skip a step. It's like, well, that's what I was going to say before. As you know, I always tell people that they should iron out a lot of what becomes problems in a separation and divorce context before they enter into the relationship that causes the problems by talking out the important things, not the color of the ink on the invitation. Right. Of course, of course. But even still, when problems arise, like, try, see, you know, you loved each other once. Try and fix it. See, the same, it's the same thing. Try and settle before you end up before the courts and everything gets ugly, 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 you know? Uh, it just, um, 
and all every time I speak to you, it's like that's the feeling I get. It's like a sick feeling of like how many people turn it so ugly. And oh, uh, yeah. and as you always say, the people, the 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 innocent victims are the children in all of this. Oftentimes, uh, we're speaking with Metro Linda Hammerschmidt. She will continue to answer your questions. So send them along to five one four eight hundred. We're gonna answer a question coming up about somebody who lost uh, their job. What do they do about uh, payments now? From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Linda Hammerschmidt joins us tonight to answer your family law questions. 514-800 to text in. You can call in, of course, at 514-790-0800. Metro Linda, here we go. Uh, The place where I work is closed because of COVID-19 and I have no work. I don't have money to pay support. What can I do? Well, first of all, uh, in the spirit of what I said before the break, more participation and less litigation, Mm -hmm. uh, the person should uh, reach out in writing to the other parent and ask to uh, have a rearrangement of the payments, not that they're going to necessarily be canceled, but to make it easier for that person to pay and give a short delay to respond, failing which you can take that exchange and of uh, either emails or preferably a registered letter, although that takes a bit more time, uh, but at least you have proof that the person got it, mm-hmm. uh, it would probably be considered an urgent uh, reason to be uh, by the judges at court to have your file heard. What would happen in a situation like that? I mean, if you have no money, you have no money. What are you going to do? Well, uh, the problem is that the child or children still have to eat. It's all have to be right. somewhere. Right. Not just for the other parent to have to uh, pay for everything, unfortunately. On the other hand, if you've lost your job, that is a bona fide reason uh, for a either reduction or cancellation. But... I uh, don't know what the specifics are for assets, but a court looks at that, too, as, as well as, you know, jobs. You're sitting on money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have to make arrangements. Maybe you can borrow some out of your house or uh, cash in uh, some RSPs mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Because, as I said, the, the child and the children, they, they have, still to, have eat. to live. They, yeah. they don't care about COVA. They, they, there are certain things that they absolutely have to have. And that's the job of a parent is to uh, bend over backwards and make sure that they have the necessities of life. Not the luxuries, but the necessities of life. Makes sense. So it's a two-edged sword, and and who knows, maybe the uh, other parent had been working too and either has lost a job and or reduced income. So it's playing on all the bases, which is all the more reason to try to work it out between both of you uh, before heading to the courts. And at least if you tried that, you'll certainly be more sympathetic by uh, if you have to pr- file a motion to uh, reestablish the support, if not uh, forever, at least for the period of not having a job, as the person who lost the job uh, getting a, 
the CERB, the Canadian Emergency uh, mm-hmm. uh, Benefit, are they? Uh, did they apply for um, uh, you? You know, there's lots of things. So just because you lost your job doesn't necessarily mean you have no money or no right. access to to getting relief. Right. Although I think this is going to affect a lot of vulnerable populations as well. Um, and according well, to that per- opinion piece, certainly. yeah, the, the, the courts are not considering uh, things like child and spousal support and p- parenting schedules and things like that as urgent matters. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a problem. Um, okay, here's another one for you. I gave birth to my son a little over a month ago. I was supposed to receive the paperwork in order to register my son and receive his birth certificate, but I have not yet received anything. I was told that I would need a family lawyer in order to request expedited service. I have to travel soon back to Paris and I must see to, and I must to see the birth certificate and be able to apply for the passport as soon as possible. What can I do? Interesting problem. Yeah, we've never heard that one before. Uh, well, I don't know who uh, or where the person has already attempted to get this, if, where the child was born and the paperwork. Obviously, everybody's inundated with many different <clears throat> issues at the present time dealing with COVID. If it was the hospital, uh, and I would try to get in touch with... Uh, with uh, the department that oversees sending information to the government for the uh, the uh, birth certificate, but you don't have to have a lawyer to apply for a rush birth certificate okay. to issue a fee, and you can probably do that online, or if not, drop off, if not through the door, at the uh, Bureau d'Arrestement of the Civil Status. Uh, Are they open? So well, everybody's open online. Yeah, that's true. So, that's uh, true. and certainly there are people that answer the telephones for those kind of departments. So, uh, if you really have to go, uh, it's, it's I, I find it hard to understand how you could have just had a baby, but you know you were going to have to travel, and are you actually allowed to travel? Why? <laughs> At this point in time. Right. But I know after, when you give birth, like they, you leave, usually you leave the hospital with a whole whack of papers that you have to well, fill in. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, I yeah. don't know where the birth took place and why it is an issue, you know, was it? Right. Huh. So I would say call, maybe get back in touch with the hospital. Is that what you're saying? Like find well, out where the Well, that's where the birth was, but right. uh, I would also simultaneously get in touch with the civil uh, status uh, department of the government and uh, find out, uh, <clears throat> is there a backlog or what's the problem and right. how do I expedite the birth certificate yeah. and or <laughs> delay well, your well, travel plans. I, I just think it's interesting that she was told that she would need a family lawyer. I don't know, can you, uh, can you think of anything you could do? Uh, well, the only thing that I can do, assuming that, uh, is to fill out the form and send it in for a rush birth certificate, but, but <clears throat> she can do that too. So. Right. She can do it on her own. So rather yeah. than pay a lawyer to do it. Okay. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, Texture writes in, my concern is whether the government has started to clean up 
the child protection system. I, as a child, was removed from my home and placed in foster care. I changed homes a few times because several foster parents were in it for the money. Not everybody. Does this type of situation still exist? We still have a foster care system in place. You know, uh, systems are, you know, flawed. Yeah. <laughs> and they can't the all be perfect, but at this point in time, uh, that's probably not uh, the priority for the government. I'd say more at this point in time, as the news just uh, uh, informed us, uh, <clears throat> is dealing with the long care home facilities right. of seniors who are some of the uh, places still getting sick, 80% of the COVID cases in this province, yeah. uh, and, we're, and the deaths are related to those facilities. So, Right, but it doesn't mean that suddenly all those children who were uh, abused and who needed to, you know, who need intervention are suddenly don't have issues. Like the, all those issues still exist. That's the, and this yes, is where people problem, fall in the cracks. Yeah. You know, it's not quite the same thing, but I spent the last several days watching a lot of um, <clears throat> documentaries on serial killers. <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, you wait, when we come back, you're going to answer me why you are doing this to yourself Absolutely. right but, now. But it ties into <laughs> the issue of the problems okay. of foster care. So. Okay, we'll talk about that. Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is with us. She is a family law attorney and is here to answer your questions at 514-800. But she also loves to watch shows about serial killers. Are you well, in not the- just serial killers, about crime. <laughs> about crime, crime shows, right. Uh, does it ever make you want to go into like another field, like criminology, instead of being a lawyer, like investigative stuff? I, I don't think, honestly, I have the patience that it would require to do all those minute and time-taking tests for in forensics in a lab. I, I find it right. fascinating, and it's amazing how uh, the science has progressed to be able to. Uh, uh, one episode I saw something where they were <clears throat> they melted down a box in which something was found to be able to then do the super glue uh, uh, smoking to get the fingerprints and whatever. It's just fascinating how nowadays. I mean, to be able to get away with a crime is is uh, quite quite a feat, mm. uh, given the science factors that are against you. But, I mean, uh, they were noticing about serial killers. They sort of debunked the, the homicidal triad that used to exist. Okay. Uh, and the bedwetter and liking fire and torturing animals. Okay. And that's superseded by traits that they've come up with for all serial killers. The primary, I guess you could say, is that they all have a lack of empathy component. Yeah. And uh, narcissism. Oh yeah, and, and abnormal uh, 
paraphilia, more your section, I suppose, mm-hmm. than mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and that m- many, if not most, serial killers don't look frightening. They're the guy next door. Yeah. Usually 78% of them are men, so or, or mostly are all men, although the races can change. So, uh, you know, some guy, I think uh, Ariel Castro, the one that had yeah. kidnapped and held three women for like, Ten years in in, uh, in his house uh, would host barbecues uh, because he had built a soundproof, completely locked up uh, uh, spaces in horrible. his home mm-hmm. uh, to house these people. So it didn't matter if people were uh, were over, but uh, most. Most they analyze have been abused one way or another, mm-hmm. which is something we were talking about with the foster care system. Oh, oh that's where the connection came from. <laughs> yeah, it's because they're abused early, often, unfortunately, is by women. <clears throat> you know, the, the mother complex, and uh, one of the serial killers, his mother used to <clears throat> scald them with water in the shower, but she wore this pendant that was quite gaudy. And, uh, you know, he would be out as an adult in a bar or wherever, a coffee shop, didn't really matter. And here's this other woman laughing with this huge pendant. Well, I guess she's the next victim, right? Oh, so, God. You yeah. know, because what he really wants to do is kill his mother, who may already be dead. Yeah. But uh, it, it's scary. I mean, Ted Bundy, uh, you know, they, they took years and years and years to be caught. I mean, Ted Bundy escaped twice from jail in the most bizarre manner because he was so charming. Exactly. Nobody ever thought that he was a, a, a threat. Exactly. Uh, but he actually helped the uh, police catch the Green River killer, which was Gary Ridgway, uh, by actually doing a uh, behavioral profile that enabled them to get to him, which was you know, interesting, <laughs> some salvation or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my. Somebody just recommended for you, if Linda likes documentaries on serial kill, then she should read Beyond Redemption by a Crown prosecutor in Manitoba. It is a true story that le- may leave you lacking sleep for many a night. Yeah, I don't think I want to lack sleep for many a night. I don't need nightmares. Well, believe me, there was one of these people in the in the episodes on serial killers, but also people who kidnap, like uh, Ariel uh, Castro uh, 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 and the like, who kept this girl. I, I mean, I was thinking about it before, I, uh, and I just I start to hyperventilate myself. Oh my goodness! Kept her in a trunk, twenty three hours a day for two years. Oh my goodness! You can't even. I mean, it just boggles my mind that there are this sick people out there. So all the more reason I bring it back to talk to the people you think you're going to shack up with way before, have them tested, do a Rorschach test, I don't <laughs> care what, but find out and get them a clean bill of health and then repeat it every five years like a Russian plan of the economic uh, variety because people change and who knows what comes out as time passes. So get, and get, talk, talk, talk. So get the stamp from a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, first. Absolutely. <laughs>
Yeah, there's a lot of people who are fascinated with this. Catherine writes in, I'm with Linda. They are my favorite shows as well. I know so many people who just, the crime shows are amazing. And I, I always question that too. Like everything they show you in these crime shows with all these techniques, I often wonder, like, do we do that too? Or is it just because it's in the movies and what have you? What like you mean, I imagine, do do in other too? words, what, we're such a tax system that like, do we go that far in solving crimes like here? Yes, because okay. some of these crimes is another whole program just based on uh, uh, top uh, Canadian uh, uh, crime stories that they had investigate through reporters and, and the police that were, you know, there on the run. And one guy, uh, he spent 10 years trying to catch this guy. They finally caught the guy, and, and you know, these things haunt, haunt the police. Uh, uh, people that have to, you know, first discover right. the, the whatever state the body's in, and then try to get the clues to to catch these people. But it, it, it's depravity beyond. I mean, I can't oh, yeah. even understand how. That's because we don't think we don't have fantasies of killing people. Exactly. Real fantasies, as opposed to sometimes I think that the, the I like one to kill that person. But the one that gave me nightmares was watching the Luca Magnata story oh, and um, yeah. that was just yeah nightmares yeah. okay one one last question before we go and although i love this conversation where i need to answer some questions here or i need you to answer i experienced quite the strange coincidence today this person writes upon calling a company to place an order i recognized the responding representative's distinctive voice and accent as being that of my exes with whom I unfortunately previously experienced prolonged harassment issues. And I'm fairly sure he must have equally recognized my voice as well, considering he asked me to reiterate my name, even though it was clearly in his computer files, in conjunction to my phone number and address. Uh, consequently, I'm now concerned about such issues possibly recurring, considering he now has access to my most current coordinates, and, when I, and I would like to know what the legal ramifications would be should he violate our professional boundaries. So now he has, he was harassing her in the past. Now he has her address. What are her, what can she do? To, could, anything she could do right now? Well, first of all, uh, I'm not sure to what length. Like, how did he not have her address anyway, regardless of the fact that they broke up unless she went out of her way to hide that from right. him? Uh, and in which case, you know, these type of people, uh, the legal system and the police system usually won't do anything unless they do something, and sometimes that's too late. Uh, you can get a restraining order, but that really never stops anybody uh, who are that demented that they, mm -hmm. they follow people, they track them down, I've seen that as well and, you know, terrorize uh, various people. There's really only one way to deal with people like that, but I can't say it on the radio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but, that's but not the advice you want. watch a lot of crime forensics, figure out how not to get caught. Yeah, well, um, so if, <laughs> if she suspects anything, though, the, her first... Um, I mean, if she's obviously if she's being harassed, she's got to go to the police. Yeah, exactly. You have to go to the police. At least open a file or add into the file that already exists. Yeah. But uh, you know, these type of people also they're bullies. You have to hit back one mm. way or another. 
Right. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's unfortunate that she didn't. I don't know how she said. You just said that he already has their information in her file. Well, I um, guess when she made the call, I, I don't know. I, we don't have the whole story, so yeah, obviously yeah, it's only bits good and pieces. Luck but and, uh, uh, God somebody bless. else says, if I had heard my ex's voice, I would have just hung up before anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people, you know, it takes time to react, and by then exactly. it's uh, too, late. too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linda, thank you so much. Uh, continue to stay safe. Enjoy watching all of your crime shows and. Um, We'll be back next month with you. Absolutely. All right. And be safe as well. If people want to get in touch with you, because you can do some video conferencing, I'm sure, right now, right? Oh, we can do lots of different things. Uh, There's always email as well. So uh, the phone number is 514-846-1013. All right. Wonderful. And you can listen to Linda every Wednesday at 6.50 on Aaron Rand's show. Thank you, Linda. Speak to you soon. Okay, good night. Good night. Uh, thank you all for your text. Thanks for listening. Thank you to our technical producer, Nicole, tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, is how you spell my last name. Or uh, you can just go to my website, drlori.com. There's a contact form right there that you can fill out. And uh, while you're there, you can also check out past shows that you may have missed, share them, what have you. Uh, right on there. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a wonderful rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>